You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for staying with us uh, today on Real Presence Live. And here before we talk to Bishop Kagan and Sister Mary Joseph Campbell, I just want to invite all of you to visit uh, the Real Presence Radio website, which is realpresenceradio.com. Uh, you can find uh, all sorts of great content on there, Our lo- the local uh, listening program schedule, uh, the podcast on realpresenceradio.com. Uh, you can also submit a prayer intention, which I think uh, is so great that um, you can put in a prayer intention uh, into the website uh, so we can remember you in our prayers. Uh, and so, uh, realpresenceradio.com. Uh, you can visit it, see all the latest cancellations, announcements coming uh, that are coming, especially with the coronavirus uh, pre- precautions. And so, uh, it's good to be on here today with you, Monsignor, as we Thank pack you. up, uh, which do. has been a fun, interesting experience, especially since I just finished school. And, and we're both here because of our next guest, Bishop Kagan. Yep. Bishop, good morning. Good morning, Monsignor. To what do I owe the pleasure of actually I, being on the I, radio you, with you? Usually <laughs> it's always Father Brian Gross that has the honor to visit with you, but I, I, got, I get called up. I mean, you know, uh, and I'm honored to, to have you. How I, I'm coming your way, uh, uh, Nick and I uh, uh, packed for another two hours yesterday. And I'm ready to uh, come your way to Bismarck. Okay, and believe me, Bismarck's ready for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, thank you again for assigning Nick Vetter to me. He, he moved in on Holy Thursday, our third-year seminarian, God willing to be ordained by you next summer, and a great guy in our, in our house. And, uh, and Father Dosh is out visiting Bishop Vetter in Montana. Right. Every other priest, including yourself, gets a vacation. <laughs> but the bishop stays around That's right. to save souls. That's what I do. Yeah. I just I just got back from a good uh, trip to Dallas, Texas, to visit my brother. So uh, and it's good to be back. And so so Bishop, tell us about what's going on. A new religious community in the diocese of Bismarck. <clears throat> this is very exciting. Uh, tell us about that. Well. Uh, y- People can learn a bit about it uh, by going to the diocesan website uh, and just clicking on the public association. It's under the uh, second tab on the website, which is just the word about, but you scroll down and, yeah, and uh, uh, this, I I feel, is, is, is something that is entirely the working of God, the Holy Spirit, among us. And uh, uh, Sister uh, Mary Joseph Campbell, uh, who has been in our diocese this last year in teaching at uh, St. Joseph Grade School in Mandan, she and I have been discussing this and uh, aware that I had had established uh, about two years ago uh, a public association for women that uh, had some interest and uh, in God's plan, uh, the young ladies who actually we met uh, several times, they, they through prayer, through uh, 
uh, spiritual direction uh, and and uh, reflection on their own uh, discerned this wasn't uh, what God was calling them to, and so it had kind kind of been in suspension until uh, Sister and I began discussing this possibility and. Uh, again, uh, the sisters, I'll, I can certainly let Sister Mary Joseph explain much more of it uh, uh, on her own, but uh, in a nutshell, uh, we decided uh, this would be uh, the way to, to, in a certain sense, advance not just Catholic education for children and young people, but Catholic adult faith formation as well for everyone in the diocese. And uh, keeping that in mind, uh, I erected the new public association, uh, St. Mary's Sisters uh, of Bismarck, and in that same decree, I uh, suppressed the old public association. Now, the Church uh, is quite clear uh, in uh, what it uh, wants, in this regard, with uh, the the rise of new religious uh, institutes, and that it, it makes it clear uh, its desire for these, but they begin as public associations, but certainly have an outward identity uh, with religious life or the consecrated life. Uh, in other words. Uh, living in community, they have their rule. They have, uh, they wear a, a visible, uh, a distinctive habit or dress, uh, and uh, they. This is how they want new religious uh, institutes, what we used to call uh, religious communities. Uh, this is how they want them to develop and begin. Uh, uh, more locally rather than have, you know, one try and take in, you know, a large segment of, of a country or something like that. So it begins usually, according to the mind of the Church, as a public association of diocesan right, which means the diocesan bishop is the one who establishes it. He has the ultimate supervisory authority over it, and uh, but it actually uh, takes on really the visible identity uh, of a religious institute, and then in time, uh, the, the diocesan bishop, um, uh, at the direction of the Holy See, uh, elevates it to a religious institute, of diocesan right, and so with the advances, uh, the great advances we've made in our Catholic schools here, um, both primary and secondary, um, I see the moment as is very opportune uh, to reintroduce sisters uh, into that uh, the whole gamut of Catholic education, uh, which. Uh, we certainly need, and I know our children uh, and young people and even our adults will benefit immensely uh, from the presence, the good example, uh, and the clear teaching uh, of uh, sisters as time goes on. And 
uh, they'll be a great complement to our priest chaplains, uh, as well as the other priests who I assigned to teach part-time religion, part-time, in all of our uh, school systems. And um, I'm just delighted that Sister has taken up the uh, uh, the great apostolate and, and challenge uh, of doing this, starting uh, as the first of a, what we hope and pray will be many more sisters to join her. Bishop Kagan, thank mm-hmm. you so much for uh, coming on the show today. Uh, as your seminarian, I'm your seminarian. Um, yes, you are. And, and so, don't ever uh, <laughs> forget that. <laughs> and so I'd like to just bring Sister in uh, to the conversation here. Uh, before the break, uh, I mm-hmm. saw. I th- I think I saw her during the ordination uh, in yes. the back with her habit there. on, but I haven't had the pleasure to meet her yet. And so, uh, Sister Mary Joseph, uh, are you with us? I am. Yes, I'm here. Excellent. Uh, it's great to have you on, Sister. Uh, could you just tell us about yourself? Uh, as very few of us, I think, know you, uh, and until we're able to meet. Yeah, no, that would be great. I uh, was actually born in the Midwest. I was born in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where actually the Ann Arbor Dominicans eventually uh, founded their big mother house in that city under the uh, generosity of Tom Monaghan, who used to own Domino's Pizza. So, but I grew up in a good Catholic family. We, lots of boys, seven brothers, two sisters. And my father happened to be a religious for quite a while, and then he left religious life and raised a big family. So we prayed the divine office every day, which I thought as a little kid everybody did, and then realized later in high school that, like, nobody did that. Yeah, (laughs) that's not typical. (laughs) No, no, but what it did is it got me actually really ready for religious life, because when I entered, it was like, oh, I already do this, or I had already done it for years. So it was... um, I kind of was already preformed in a way. Uh, But the Ann Arbor Dominicans came the year I was a senior in high school, and I, as soon as I saw them, I I can't describe it any other way, but I knew immediately that's what I was supposed to do. So I entered, I was in the first group, and watched the community grow from four sisters to, I believe they're at 172 now in Ann Arbor, doing a terrific job in education. So I've been teaching since 2002 in um, various states, about six states in the United States, and in about 10 schools. So I have a nice variety of how the Catholic education is going throughout the United States, which has been very, very helpful when coming to Bismarck, because Bismarck has a gift to give that I have not seen in many of the schools, and it is a solid sense of what it means to be Catholic. Now, the children still need catechesis, so there's still a role for the sisters, but there's a definite strong sense of Catholic identity, or at least people that want and actually aspire to being Catholic in all of their... They want to go to church, they want to pray with their children, they want their children to learn about the saints. And so I can't be more thrilled to come. I, I came, and when Bishop invited me, I thought, gosh, I had plopped into basically the best you can get to heaven (laughs) here on earth. I was like, I didn't know there was such places. Having worked in Sacramento, where you have, you know, large agendas going on there and working in different places where it was much harder to try to teach the faith. And here, the Catholics here just want help. 
They just want yes. to teach their kids, and the sisters want to do that, too. So it's a perfect mix where they could send their children to a school and the sisters could help. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I actually... I know a few of your sisters from, uh, they're the librarians at the Pontifical North American College. I attend class uh, with them. Oh, yeah. Uh, and for all of our listeners to uh, go look up the Ann Arbor Dominicans, uh, since this is where Sister uh, Mary Joseph Campbell's coming from. And uh, it'll tell you a little bit of what she is bringing here to the diocese uh, that Bishop and her um, are now working on to bring into the diocese and we're blessed by uh, the, the Catholic faithful, the diocese of Bismarck and our uh, education, Catholic schools. Uh, what a blessing uh, it has been. And it's going to be great to have uh, sisters back in the schools with us as we have uh, the chaplains, the das and priest chaplains uh, in the school, but we're looking forward uh, to have you sister. Um, and so, um, here, after the break, we'll uh, talk further exactly how uh, Bishop and Sister came uh, to uh, come to the diocese, to bring her to the diocese, and how this has all developed uh, in such a relatively short amount of time, uh, which is, I think, uh, a work of the Holy Spirit, uh, as Bishop Kagan said. So, Nicholas Vetter, seminarian, Bishop David Kagan, seminarian from the Diocese of Bismarck, and Monsignor Schumacher here at um, Fisher Industries. Thank you, Nick. It's our, we got a good show going, and we'll be back in just a moment. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, I'm Linda Baldwin with the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. We are now open, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday and 9 to 5 on Saturdays. We're located at 3709 South Grange, just west of Costco. We stock Catholic books, artwork, saint medals, rosaries, Bibles, parish supplies, plus Mystic Monk coffee and gifts for those special occasions like baptisms, First Communion, and Confirmation. I look forward to your visit to the Mustard Seed Catholic Store here in Sioux Falls. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through Plan Giving which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. S.J. Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, S.J. Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. 
SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. This is Nicholas Vetter and Monsignor Patrick Schumacher here today with Bishop David Kagan of the Diocese of Bismarck and Sister Mary Joseph Campbell. Uh, and we're discussing uh, this new um, religious community that uh, Bishop and Sister are working on. And so I'd just like to go back uh, to Bishop and exactly uh, if you could give us a little more about how Sister came to us this year. Well, Sister uh, was on sabbatical, and uh, Sister's uh, sister and brother-in-law live here in Bismarck, and so she, uh, not long after she arrived, she contacted me. We met, and and she was, as I said, teaching at St. Joseph grade school in uh, Mandan, and so we just started a conversation that way, and uh, things developed, I think Sister would agree, rather rapidly, and uh, uh, it all developed off of uh, our conversation, our first conversation, which was about, I don't know, what, about a year ago, Sister, I think, something like that. Ten months. Yeah. Yeah. Ten months, yeah, that's a fast process. Uh, Sister, tell us a little bit about what you've experienced in the Diocese of Bismarck, specifically uh, St. Joseph's School uh, in Mandan, Uh, what your work has looked like the last uh, ten months, but also what you've experienced uh, from the good faithful people uh, and the priests in this area. Yes, no, I was blessed. I heard that they needed help at St. Joe's. There was a fifth-grade position that they couldn't find someone for because it was a one-year contract, and usually teachers want more than one year, uh, and because they were switching to Montessori. So it fit real perfectly because I knew it would take about a year to begin the process of writing the constitutions and other things. Also, because the classroom was on the smaller side, it gave me a little bit more freedom to work on all that the bishop and I were trying to uh, pull off for the Diocese of Pismarck with the Religious Institute. But I was thrilled when I got there, because as soon as I walked in, I see Sacred Heart, Immaculate Heart, I see statues of St. Joseph, I saw sister pictures, so I was like, oh, the school start by Benedictines. And then I started to realize how much the Benedictines have done for the Diocese of Bismarck over the last hundred years. And even in my own life, my elementary education is primarily Benedictine. And i I, to this day, I'm wearing a ring that was the mother uh, superior of the Benedictines in Ann Arbor. It was a little group. They didn't actually, um, you know, some communities try, and they didn't actually get off the ground. But she was there for 10 years and uh, died a faithful religious. She died in the Felician Mother House. But I always, have always attributed the Benedictines to my fabulous education. And so to come and to take up the standard and start... Teaching the children in Bismarck is almost like a dream come true that I get to, in a way, pay the Benedictines back for what they gave me, you know, to be that sister for the little ones in Bismarck. So I'm thrilled to be at St. Mary's Academy this coming year with sixth grade teaching religion. 
So they better watch out because, you know, Dominicans are pretty. Yeah. <laughs> they That's have great. <laughs> yeah, we're reminded of all the great work the Benedictines have done in our diocese, um, the sisters in Richardson, sisters uh, at the University of Mary and that great institution out there, uh, yeah. led by Monsignor Shea uh, and so many uh, great things. And so, uh, Sister, if you could just explain to us, I was looking at Bishop's Decree online, uh, explain a little bit about your rule of life, um, what exactly that means, um, and how that is going to be practically lived. Very good. Yes, so Dominicans live according to the rule of St. Augustine, because the Pope at the time when Dominic was asking for a rule said, you have to pick one that's already existing, because there were so many people requesting so he picked St. Augustine because it's flexible, and it also uh, has a strong proponent of study. And Dominic felt that if you weren't formed in the mind, you wouldn't be able to preach or teach the truth properly. So Dominicans do a lot of studying. Our formation is rather intense like the Jesuits, but it's every bit of it is important because you can't be going and teaching what you don't know or have even contemplated and meditated for yourself. So Dominic says... You would contemplate and then take give the fruits of your contemplation in the classroom or in your preaching as a friar. So the sisters, they rise early. We have a holy hour where we have meditation and um, morning prayer. Then we go to daily mass, and then we usually, because the teachers have a quick breakfast, and then go into the school. If you are a young lady that's going to enter, you would come and you would actually go to school until you have your teaching credentials. And then once you're teaching, you'd start teaching the schools, and then you actually go back. Most religious women of the Dominicans have at least one master's, if not two, and sometimes PhDs. So we have lots of education, usually in theology and philosophy, along with our education degree. So you're really well-formed in that regard. And then the prayer life is very rich, because we have the Dominicans have been around for 800 years. We have many things that we implement in the divine office and a profound devotion to the poor souls in purgatory, which I have not found in all of the other religious orders. The Dominicans seem to, that was early on, and we pray for the dead often. So they say, die a Dominican, because you'll get prayed for yeah. for many, many years. Excellent. Uh, thank you, sister, for the little the explanation. Um, I think people are going to be excited to see you live that out. Uh, to experience uh, the joy that your sisters have brought to my own life, uh, but I know so many others um, around the country. And uh, so I'd like to just bring Bishop Kagan back in to explain to us, uh, Bishop, that we have this new um, religious institute. Um, Mm -hmm. Is it just simply bringing in Dominican sisters, or uh, is it really a new thing? Well, it's my and I know sisters hope that uh, as interest grows, our own young women or women from this area or region uh, would uh, consider the possibility that the Lord is calling them to the consecrated life and and come uh, and investigate and, God willing, uh, enter into uh, this new public association here. And um, uh, my hope, as as time goes on and uh, the Lord gives us increase, uh, 
that uh, we can have sisters uh, placed uh, in all of our Catholic schools around the diocese. And one of the advantages, uh, you might call it, of a public association of diocesan right, it's established by the bishop to serve uh, his own diocese, his uh, specific local church, uh, according to what their charism is, and, and the charism of the St. Mary's Sisters is Catholic education uh, in schools and parishes. And, um, you know, nothing happens overnight, but as time goes on, and, I, and God willing, uh, in time, uh, there will be uh, sisters enough uh, that they can be assigned uh, across our diocese uh, to do the work uh, of this uh, so essential apostolate uh, in the whole church, but in our diocese as well. And uh, I see it as uh, this is the best way we give our young women an opportunity to discern the possibility of a vocation to the consecrated life. There's no better uh, way, I think, uh, and I think back to my own youth uh, with priests and sisters, there's no better way to get a young person, man, a young boy or girl, thinking about a vocation than to actually see priests and sisters, you know, doing the work of the church uh, in their assignments, and uh, uh, so I, I, we have great hopes uh, that this is uh, not only a very good beginning, but the beginning just continues to uh, to flourish uh, for both our our uh, young people as well as adults, and yeah. uh, uh, the good example that religious women have always given to the Catholic laity, uh, that just is immeasurable. Uh, you can't begin to kind of quantify it because it, it cuts across all kinds of, of lines, uh, whether it's education or family life or whatever. Uh, uh, religious women bring to all of us that spiritual motherhood that I think our Lord uh, included when he, he gave to the world his own mother uh, to be our mother, and religious women continue that in a particularly graced way uh, in their own fidelity to Christ and his church. Bishop Kagan, uh, Sister Mary Joseph Campbell, it's so great to have you on. It's a great joy uh, for me to be able to talk to you about this new uh, religious institute that's coming to the Diocese of Bismarck. Uh, it's great. It was great to have you on today. Thank you so much. This is Nicholas Vetter, Seminarian for the Diocese of Bismarck, North Dakota, uh, with Monsignor Patrick Schumacher, Pastor of St. Wenceslaus Catholic Church in Dickinson, going to be uh, in Corpus Christi in Bismarck here soon. And so coming up, uh, it's a benefit for a family uh, that's facing a dif difficult medical journey. And so we have Joe Diem coming up 
uh, here after the break. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back. Thank you, Nick, for the interview, and we'll be back in one moment. <laughs> 